Walking Dharma podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's podcast is called Happiness is a Big Cosmic Joke. You heard that right, friends. I'm saying it out loud. Happiness is a big cosmic joke. Now, before you jump to any conclusions and think I'm being negative, which even when I hear that title, I feel, who would say such a thing? But this really actually is about finding contentment as our baseline rather than always chasing happiness through the gratification of external experiences objects, and relationships. And I really believe that seeking happiness is human nature. I feel like we all are like plants that are always growing towards the sun. And wherever the happiness is in our life, we tend to grow towards that, just like the plants grow towards the sunlight. And I don't think it's a bad thing to gravitate towards happiness. But I do feel it's very detrimental to chase happiness for fear of sitting with an unhappy feeling or period of our life. And this really is spiritual bypass on some level. Whenever we chase happiness to avoid what we're feeling, if it's not of that nature, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's sadness or maybe it's apathy. And something that the tantric yogis knew is that You cannot run away from feelings that are dark. Rather, you have to sit with them. Because the more you run from them, the more they follow you. So whenever you actually find what you would think would bring happiness, all of your dark feelings and problems are still with you. And that's how spiritual bypass is. We try to override some of the earthly, mundane aspects of existence, always chasing the high, always chasing the bliss. And the reality is we can't feel that full level of bliss or that full high of true contentment or maybe even the surface level of happiness if we're carrying around a ton of baggage full of angst, woes, and unforgiven Uh, experiences. The Yoga Sutras, Sutra 242, says, by contentment, supreme joy is gained. And I'll say it again. By contentment, supreme joy is gained. And what this implies is that contentment is an internal state of being. It's something that if we look deep enough, we will find that we are actually always content. The Bhagavad Gita says the Supreme Self is the approver and the enjoyer of life. And this basically hints at the same thing, that there's an element of our self, our purusha, our highest self, our spirit, if you will, our seed of God within us that is always dwelling in that space of contentment. And if we allow our self-awareness to go deep within our own realm of consciousness, we can actually discover this part of ourselves that's always at ease with whatever scenario is unfolding. We can discover this part of ourselves that 
doesn't strive or chase, but rather keeps arriving at what is beautiful in the moment and appreciating it for what it is. We all have heard the saying, no rain, no rainbows. And this is totally true when we talk about finding happiness and also harnessing the power of contentment from within. If we can find contentment, which means just simply being able to rest in acceptance of what is, then we no longer push away things that don't bring happiness. Rather, we can tune into what they are teaching us. We can tune into whatever negative emotions are arising within ourselves, or we can accept a negative experience as it's playing out and see it for what it is. What is it? It's spiritual food. So if we only had happy experiences in our life, if we only had rainbows, that would become our new norm. And even then, our ego and our mind would grow discontent and we would start trying to look for what's better. Again, this is really innate. I believe this is human nature. It's, it's within us from the day we're born that we're always going to keep looking for what's next, what's better. And what the yogis attempt to do is make us superhuman or enlighten, if you will, and realize that if we're always trying to find what's better, if we're always trying to chase what's next, what's, what's going to stimulate me now so I don't have to sit with myself, so I don't have to face whatever darkness is coming up, then we can never arrive at the moment. And due to that ingrained tendency to always look for what's better, when we arrive in our three-dimensional reality at what we think is going to be better, we're still not happy with it. Because we are so ingrained and always looking for what's better, we forget to appreciate what is now. And this is really a disease in society. It's, it's like walking the treadmill and the treadmill just never ends. And you just keep having to climb that hill of always looking for happiness from the external. But if we turn to the internal and discover this content state within ourselves, where we can root in the feeling of acceptance of what is, whatever it is. And by acceptance, I don't mean just roll over and play dead whenever bad things are happening. I mean acceptance as the first step to being present. If we can accept the moment at hand, then we become present within it. Really consider this. If we accept what's happening, we can show up fully for it and discern through our own highest intelligence what to do next. We can discern that really we're not the ones that have to do anything. Rather, we watch it all unfold from this place of quiet, contentment, and observation. And we begin we begin to understand that every experience plays some role in our own awakening. And by awakening, I don't mean getting out of bed in the morning. I mean self-awakening, spiritual realization, if you will. And the more we become capable of sitting with and accepting whatever is arising, the more contentment becomes our baseline state of being. So if you go to the concert and you love it, you're content. If you go to the concert and it was awful and super disappointing, you can laugh about it and still be content with the outcome. Oh, it sucked. All well, moving on. 
And that's the beauty about being content is that we don't have to hang on to experiences. Think about it. What is hanging on to experiences called? It's called living in the past. And as long as we are living in the past, we are going to be chasing happiness in the future. Because there's two ways to live. One is living in the past and always projecting into the future. Those two are connected. They are not separate. And two is being fully present with what is now. Sometimes I hear people who who used to be very successful and now their life is a little bit more ordinary, constantly telling stories of their past over and over. And after being around that person for a while, I feel like saying, that's wonderful that you had such an amazing past, but what about right now? And sometimes those same individuals, when they look at right now, they're like, oh, well, and they launch back into how things were so wonderful again in the past or how they will be in the future. And this is something that is exhausting, quite frankly, because we're constantly forcing our memory to replay like a broken record the glory days, if you will. And then you have the opposite end of it, where some people are seeking success so badly and they see their whole life as a a line of failures. And so there's always this running into the future. But they're unable to fully step into the future because they're projecting this past belief that they are a failure. And so they keep reliving that. They keep magnetizing that experience to them. But you can see either side of the coin, someone who's always reminiscing about the past is not fully present in the now, and they think sometime in the future things will go back to the way they were. And on the other end, someone who is trying to always look into the future often drags the baggage of their past stories along with them. So they keep creating the same longing feeling. Either way, two sides of the same coin. We can throw the coin away altogether if we realize that if we accept, if we find contentment as our baseline, then every moment can fall away as it is complete. And we are free to embrace things as they are right now. And embracing things as they are right now doesn't always mean that everything is love and light. Embracing things as they are right now might be to actually admit to yourself, I'm in a dark place. It might be to admit to yourself, wow, I feel like I really messed that up. You know, fill in the blank with whatever scenario you can find. And I always like to think of this time when this kind of feeling arises, like, oh, I messed that up. I went to Oahu to teach a yoga immersion about five years ago. And I was really present with the student, giving her an adjustment. And she had this really strong bliss feeling coming through her. And I tuned into it. And I suddenly felt totally ungrounded and and high as a kite energetically. And anyway, I had to come back to the moment right away because I was leading a workshop. And I forgot one whole side of a pretty complex standing sequence and moved them on straight to the wall to continue with inversions. And at some point, the owner of the studio, like a minute in, was like, hey, I'm assuming you did this on purpose, but we didn't do the other side of the sequence. And I was mortified. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone, let's, we have to do that right now. And I kind of laughed it off and let it go. 
there was my contentment. But then my mind crept in later and started telling me what a failure I was and how bad I messed that up and how I really could have hurt them. And, and on the list goes, even though afterwards other teacher friends that were in the workshop said they really didn't notice and it wasn't a big deal and that they loved it. They were so inspired. So even though I received this positive, loving affirmation or confirmation, if you will, that I was still loved and accepted, right? Because that's what failure does. We feel like we're not going to be loved and accepted anymore. My mind hung on to the fact that I forgot this one part of the sequence. And I just couldn't let it rest. I just let it play through my mind for a long time. And started having recurrent dreams about yelling at people, down dog, down dog, and no one was listening, and they're all laughing at me. And I realized that I let this little past imprint of what I perceived as a failure to affect my teaching. I started having fear of forgetting part of a mantra. And suddenly I was unable to just accept what had happened and move on. And I let this story of failure carry with me. And this is what always trying to chase success and happiness does, is it makes us also cling to our failure. Because if we're chasing something, we're chasing everything. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. So how do we let go of failure and still pursue success? Well, we always do our best. Just like me teaching the workshop, I was doing my very best. I was in such a beautiful space with a student. That's more than we could ever hope for, right? Is to have a deep connection with another human. Um, but I let that state carry me away because I too was trying to seek the bliss. It's so interesting how we're, we can identify as our, you know, kind of baseline tendency is to always chase happiness. And it's really a joke because happiness is actually always available to us, but it has a different name and that is contentment. Go back to my story about skipping part of the sequence. Years later, I've really been able to let that go, but it still is there as an impression on my mind. So when I teach now, and I teach all the time, I can either choose to start recapitulating that experience and bringing more pain into the present moment because I haven't forgiven myself, whatever that means. Oh, forgive yourself. You forgot part of a sequence. That sounds totally ridiculous, doesn't it? But if I think about it, there is this lack of acceptance of what I did, which means I'm not forgiving something. It's something one of my really wise friends, Hope Johnson, always has said to me, is everything is actually already forgiven. Whatever has unfolded in the past, unfolded for specific reasons. And we hear this all the time. And before you go jumping and saying that I'm privileged so I can say that, or I've never had bad things happen to me so I can say that, I want to tell you that's not true. I've experienced many very challenging life-altering and life-or-death experiences at the hands of other humans. And there's this moment where you can choose what to do with that. You can either hang on to resentment for the rest of your life about these experiences that have been painful and who does that affect? It doesn't affect the people who harmed you. It only gives them more of your mana, more of your life force, your prana, 
your vital energy that carries you through your life. Or you can choose to accept that everything that happened is already forgiven. The fact that something is happening means the universe is allowing it. And whether that purpose is to wake us up and make us learn how to have boundaries and make us have more self-respect or to make us understand that not every person is to be trusted or to make us understand how to stand up for another human being in cases of, you know, say child abuse, for example. We can't say, oh, I'm that child across the street is being abused every day and it's for a reason. Yeah, that reason is to make us call child services and spare or rescue that child sometimes, right? And although that's a very real scenario, think about it metaphorically. Sometimes the reason things happen is to make us open our voice, to make us become more empowered until we learn to stand up for ourselves or to become more independent because we realize that maybe the outside world won't accept the direction we're moving in. So then it's up to us to accept ourselves as we are and to understand that if something is coming through you, it is definitely meant to probably flow through you and out into the world. And so sometimes finding contentment over how we are, as we are, finding acceptance is about knowing when to stand up for ourselves. And even though we understand everything is forgiven, sometimes we still have to do something about it. And so there's this idea of finding acceptance over our past. If we can accept our past, including our past behaviors, if we can realize that we were doing or not doing our best in that moment either way, that for some reason, it unfolded that way. And without even needing to know why, just ask, how can I make it better now? How can I reach a point where I feel acceptance over this? Acceptance really equates to forgiveness. But sometimes forgiveness is about making right action, moving forward in a way that helps create that feeling of everything being forgiven. Right, So even though we know on the universal level that everything is always forgiven, as humans, we're very ceremonial beings. It's, if you look back at all the ancient tribes, they have all kinds of ceremonies for different deities, different aspects of human nature, if you will, different reasons to celebrate and be present. We're ceremonious. And so the same thing with forgiving oneself and forgiving others. Sometimes we need a little ceremony. What's the ceremony to ask for forgiveness for someone else? It's to say, I'm sorry. And for many years, I've always said, oh, don't be sorry. Sorry is a starry word. Or in teacher trainings, we had a rule that you can't say sorry. You can only say starry because we know what a joke it is, how disempowering it is. But there is a point to it sometimes. If, if we create a lot of hurt within another being from a past experience, we will oftentimes carry this feeling of guilt around that. And even if we go with all these spiritual bypasses, such as, oh, don't be sorry. Sorry is a sorry word. Sometimes that's a way to not make amends with ourselves or someone else. 
Sometimes that's the way to be like, well, I'm not sorry. And it's pride. Sometimes we just need to know when to apologize. And I'm sure this is controversial, especially for a lot of our new age tribe. Because we've been taught not to apologize. But the only way we can get off in this life without apologizing is to always act impeccably. And in a way that is in alignment with loving kindness and compassion. And I know for myself, I'm capable of that about 95% of the time. But there's that 5% where I've failed miserably at it and done things to hurt other people, as we all have. And whenever I hurt someone else, deep down, it's also creating this karmic imprint within myself. And it, it makes me carry guilt, for example. So why would we want to apologize sometimes? Is so we can free ourselves of self-limiting beliefs, such as being guilty or not being lovable because we've made a mistake. And that's something that's ingrained within us from birth, is that if we make a mistake, if we do something wrong, we are not lovable. And that's a story most of us carry our entire life. And we want to kind of blow the lid off of that and realize that as we grow and learn, we are going to make mistakes. And deep down, they are forgiven because there's a reason why they've unfolded that way. And it's to wake us up. It's to help us blossom into who we already are deep within our heart. But it's to help draw our heart energy out into the world. These challenging experiences chip off a few layers of the shiny veneer of our ego. And they, they strip our ego enough eventually that we have to go to our heart. Because the heart is the acceptor, the approver, the enjoyer. I'm talking about the supreme self, the soul, seated within your heart. Or wherever you'd like to place it in your body. It's there. If we are challenged enough in this life by going through adversity, then we actually come out more loving. But it takes work. That work is not only to find healing, refuge, as needed from all trauma, getting the proper professional support, or getting body work to work it out of your tissues, or having a healing relationship to change the story that all relationships are painful, whatever it may be. Part of finding this deep kind of forgiveness for oneself is to sometimes make amends. And making amends might just be with yourself, just to look yourself in the eye, in the mirror, and say, I forgive myself. I am lovable. I am lovable always. I am always loved by the universe. Whatever affirmation it may be for you, maybe it is telling yourself a new story, but that's a better story than carrying guilt and shame with us on our shoulder into every experience we have. So contentment is about acceptance. As you accept, you can exhale energetically. You can spread your energy out. You can realize that whatever's happened, it's in the wash. The past truly will never be born again. And so it's up to us to keep rebirthing ourselves 
every single day to be like, all right, what can I let go of? What can I, what can I shed? What, what cocoon can I crawl out of today and, and blossom into this butterfly that I am energetically? And the answer is to become very present with whatever experience you are undergoing right now. You see, even if you do have peak experiences and you feel totally satisfied, remember that satisfaction is based on external gratification. And on the other side of the coin, contentment is based on an internal baseline state of being. As long as we are always trying to be satisfied, we will on some level be discontent. Because once you have the fancy car and the beautiful girlfriend and the amazing job and the amazing Instagram account, I don't know, fill in the blank. What do we chase? Once you have all the right clothes, once your back doesn't hurt anymore, once you're so-and-so ask for forgiveness, whatever it is, as long as we're there, we won't be satisfied. Even if something beautiful happens, we'll be so stuck in clinging to all of our misery. Everything is in harmony. If we base our reality on that awareness that everything is harmonious, then whenever a beautiful experience, maybe one of our dreams comes true, or maybe we're finally able to travel to somewhere we wanted to go to help other people, or whatever it is that brings fulfillment, we can truly be filled by it because we're not dumping the cup out, searching for what's better in that moment. It's like the vision of the person climbing the ladder into the sky and the higher they get, the more ladder there is. And there's never this peak. There's never this place where you reach and you can sit down. Contentment is realizing the ladder is imaginary and we just sit down and look up at the sky and all the splendor is revealed to us from right where we are. There is no need to go anywhere, do anything, achieve anything, change anything, grow to become better, or self-improve. Those are all bullshit stories that make us unhappy because we're always thinking that sometime in the future happiness will be there. And we've all heard it, and I'll say it again. The future never comes. Only right now, every single day, the blossoming of right now. Every moment, it's like your cell. It's like a cell of a rose blossoming and opening and spreading the fragrance of whatever is in that moment. And the work of contentment is to sit with it, whether you like the smell or not. Whether you like the experience or not, show up for it. Be forgiving. If someone pushes a bunch of shopping carts at your car out of spite, instead of clinging to it and getting angry, you just accelerate so the carts don't hit your car and continue on your way. Maybe you do have the thought, wow, what did I do to that person? But you don't have to let it steal your joy. See, if we're content, if we accept it, wow, they just pushed a bunch of shopping carts at my car. Hmm. Exhale, physically even, deep breath, clear it, take a deep breath and let it go. We arrive again at joy. 
Joy is a choice on some level. Because if we find joy, naturally happiness is a byproduct. That's the thing that I think most of us have been doing all wrong. We keep trying to find happiness outside, but it's actually inside, known as contentment. And contentment's best friend is joy. We can almost find joy when the person pushes shopping carts at our car. We can laugh. We can think how hilarious that is. I was thinking about my friend Hope, the one who says all is forgiven. I think if someone pushed a thing of shopping carts at her car, even if it hit her car, she'd be cracking up. And not because she's spiritually bypassing, but because she understands this. It's all forgiven. Okay, for some divine reason, these two souls intersect in this moment. What are we teaching each other? Whoever you're interacting with in the moment, on whatever level, they are your guru. They are your highest teacher. I've been learning that so much here in the Bay Area. I've been meeting a lot of new people. And it's interesting for me because there's a part of me that wants to cling to my past in Hawaii. I feel like that person clinging to the glory days a little bit right now, which I've never been that. So it's really interesting to feel that want to come up and be like, in Hawaii and in Hawaii and all my students and oh, Hawaii. So epic. I want to keep going there, right? I realize if I get stuck in that, I don't even want to interact with anyone around me because I get sad. I'm not happy or satisfied or content or any of it or joyful. But if I accept my present scenario, as of right now, I'm sitting in this beautiful home in Marin County, surrounded by redwood trees, on a comfortable chair, on a Sunday afternoon, relaxing, talking to you all. That is beautiful. If I can simply become present and accept my surroundings, I feel all the beauty. And in that, a lightness of being arises. And that's the beauty about being present, is that we're not burdened with 20,000 pounds of past baggage right over our shoulders, pushing our head forward of our body because we're always caught in thought rather than in our heart, experiencing the blossoming of every moment. And this is my invitation to myself and to all of us is in this moment, what is beautiful? In this moment, what is real for you? In this moment, how do you feel? How can you find contentment is to keep asking yourself those questions. In this moment, what is beautiful? In this moment, what is real? In this moment, how do you feel? If you keep, like meditation, bringing yourself into that cycle of thought, you will eventually retrain your brain to look for what is real and beautiful and alive for you in this moment. And if you do it for yourself, you'll do it for others too. Because this is so important, not only to forgive yourself, not only to love yourself and be content, but also to tune into that with other people. It's just about being sensitive to the moment, right? Because we all know that our happiness can only be true happiness if everyone around you is happy. 
if one person is hurting or sad, it's up to us to be like, oh, wait, don't get left behind. How can I bring more light and love to you? So although I'm saying don't obsess over external relationships to bring you happiness, at the same time, if we can be a light to spark joy within someone else's heart, let's do that. Let's help others also find how they're feeling in the moment, what is alive for them, what is real. And in this way, we all start to decondition ourselves away from chasing pleasure and running from pain. And we start to understand that attachment and aversion are the causes, the root cause of suffering. We're busy running away from things we don't like. And we're busy running towards the things we want. And in all that running... Where are we running? Where are we running? We're running up a ladder into the sky that leads to nowhere. And contentment is the idea that there is no need to chase anything at all. The energy of contentment is to lay on the valley floor and look up at the sky and realize all those ladders that we've been climbing all these years can disappear in the blink of an eye. We can choose to show up fully for whatever is, understand all is forgiven, assimilate the teachings from the painful and the pleasurable experiences, and keep living. Because that's what we're here to do, is live every moment as fully as possible. But the only way we can do that is if we accept that the moment exists at all. By contentment, supreme joy is gained. Let that joy permeate every single person you encounter. And remember, every Experience is part of the divine process of waking up. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma Podcast. Namaste.